Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. Different arrangement on a, on a wonderful, wonderful song. And uh, man, wow. Let me just, let me first of all just say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, joining us this morning. Those who were in our Bible study classes and those who have joined us here in person and even those online, we thank you for joining us uh, for worship this morning. Listen, if you're new to Battlefield, if you've never filled out a connection card, do me a favor, do that today. Grab a connection card there in front of you, right, and, and turn that in at the information desk right after service. We just have a gift that we want to give you just to say thank you so much for coming and being here. I mean, truly, it's a privilege. You think about it, it's a privilege for us to be able to lift up our voices and sing. Amen. To sing about how amazing God's grace is. Hold on. To sing about how amazing God's grace is. Amen. Man, it's an incredible privilege to do that. To be reminded... I love that song that Megan leads. It's to be reminded uh, uh, of the ability, the opportunity that we have to, to sing a, a thousand hallelujahs and more. <laughs> All right. We'd every head bowed, every eye closed. We're just going to go ahead and close the service now. <laughs> Did y'all not listen to the lyrics of the songs we just sang? Amazing is God's grace. The opportunity, you know, and I'll reference it here in a little bit, but do you know that the angels, the seraphims, they have rest day nor night. They continue to sing out in praise to the great I am. And we have the opportunity to do so today as well. What an incredible privilege to sing about these things and, and to raise it. Listen, if we're going to use our voices for anything, it ought to be used to raise a hallelujah. Amen. I mean, my gracious, the great master composer of our lives, the great master composer of our lives orchestrated those songs. Listen, I did not ask Gordon, I did not talk to Megan, I did not talk to anybody about what I was preaching about, and they didn't confer with me about what they were singing about, but the great, the great master composer of our lives has, has orchestrated these songs to prepare our hearts. The songs that we heard and the songs that I pray that you sang, right, while we were singing, to prepare our hearts for the message that I believe the Lord has for each and every one of us today. And uh, most of you know since the beginning of January, we've been considering our biblical mandate to be resolved. Not just to resolve, but to be resolved. The idea of having a strong determined to be strongly determined in some areas of our life and we've been talking about this idea of being resolved to manage well 
the various sacred trusts that God has given to each and every one of us from the very breath of life to the resources that we have to the time that he wants us to manage well and on and on. And so I'm not going to delay it today. I want to ask you if you would uh, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. We're going to jump right in and I want us to talk about another thing that we need to be resolved to manage well in our lives as believers, as followers of Christ. And I believe that is that we need to be resolved to manage well, watch this, the words that proceed out of our mouth. And I dare say this message is for everybody in this room and everybody watching online. We need, to, we need to see some things, and we're just going to start with one verse, and then we're going to go from there. In Proverbs chapter 18, notice what, what Solomon, the wise man, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes. This one verse in verse number 21, he writes, death and life. Death and life. Ponder that for a second. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Stop and just think about that for a second. God's word is saying that death and life are in the power of our tongue. And it says, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your son Jesus whom we love and whom we adore and whom we sing praises to. God, I'm so grateful for those that have joined us today. And certainly the world is... Is talking about Super Sunday, but every Sunday is super with Jesus. And so, Father, help us never to forget that, that we get pumped up about a football game. Let us get pumped up about Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that you'll use your word to speak to our hearts and our lives today and that, God, we'll go away from this place better suited, better equipped, and better able to serve you than when we came in. And, Lord, I pray that you'll do what only you can do as you deal with this gift of our speech. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Look again with me at verse number 21. And I don't want to keep you long because I know that some of you have probably got wings on the, on the barbecue and all these great things. But I want to look at this verse one more time. Proverbs 18, 21. The Bible says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that eat the fruit thereof, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And so what we find here in God's word right away is that our words have incredible power. The lie that we used to hear when we were kids, and I don't even know if kids or young people say it anymore, but when I was a kid, you used to go to school and you used to say, you used to be like, nanny, 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 you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Who among us has not been brutally, brutally beaten by somebody's words? I mean, my wife beats me up every day with her words. Oh, did I say that? Oh, no, I'm just teasing. But who among us, who among us has not been browbeaten by our words or somebody else's words? Therefore, what Scripture is saying in this one verse is that you and I have a huge responsibility. What comes out of this little trap right here? A huge responsibility. Just time out for a second. 
You know that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And you say, well, I trusted Christ 20 years ago, and I, I still uh, have a filthy mouth. Have you taken it to Jesus? Have you asked Jesus to do what only Jesus can do? And so it's a huge responsibility because biblically our speech, that verse is saying that biblically our speech is either going to direct life or biblically our speech is going to, is going to cause uh, some catastrophic damage. Proverbs 25, 11, just for instance, in Proverbs 25, 11, the Bible says a word... By the way, when it says a word here in this verse, it's speaking of a word of instruction, a word of, of advice, or it could even be a word of comfort. But the, the verse says, a word fitly spoken. That means it's right on time. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. In other words, it, 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 it's like a, a beautiful piece of, of fruit setting in a, this beautiful silver-weaved uh, basket. Sometimes you see that on these, uh, on these home design shows. It's like it makes me sick. You know, they design the kitchen, and then the finished product looks like a kitchen you've never used before because they've never used it. And, and the reality is I've never seen a kitchen that looks that pristine after it's been used, but usually they have a bowl or a basket of beautiful fruit that they set out. Many times it's lemons and, and on and on, but this is what the verse says. It says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. But conversely, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Isaiah 32 tells us that the vile person or the foolish or silly person will speak villainy. In other words, a vile person is going to speak wickedness or foolishness and his heart will work iniquity. Proverbs 12, 18 alludes to the idea that the words of some people are like sharp swords. They're like sharp swords that cut and divide and kill. Years ago, it was A.B. Wanton that put it this way. He said, there is an inseparable connection between what we say and what we think. Now, I'll, I'll revisit that thought in a little bit. But he said, there's an inseparable connection between what we say and what we think. And he went on, he said, the power of the tongue is infinitely reproductive. It affects our incalculable. We can't calculate all the effects of the tongue. Matthew chapter 15, Jesus, he's, he's explaining to his disciples, he's explaining to his disciples in Matthew chapter 15 what defiles a person. And if you look at verse number 17, and we'll, you, they may throw it up there, uh, he's literally telling his disciples, he's talking to them about the food that enters the mouth. Right? What enters the mouth, it, it literally passes through the stomach and, and whatnot. I think we all get the picture of what takes place to food that passes through the mouth and the stomach, right? But you're like, man, the Bible is, is crazy. But guess what? He's trying to make a point because then he goes on in the very next verse and he says these words in verse number 18. He talks about that those things which proceed out of the mouth, watch what he says. He says, they come forth from the heart. And they defile the man. In other words, Jesus is saying that the heart itself, left to itself, is a fountain. It's a fountain from which all defilement flows. And that includes our words. And sometimes you need a plumber to cut the water supply off. 
because that fountain just keeps on spewing out vile defilement and, and, and things that are not profitable to us. Jesus goes on, he puts it this way in Luke chapter 6, and you probably know these verses. In Luke chapter 6, in verse number 45, he says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. He said, But an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. And then he says this, For, uh, for the abundance of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. So I want us to see something, and I believe this is going to be a different way for me to talk about this because typically I want to go through every way that we could look at this. But for the sake of time, if you would, just turn with me to James chapter 3. We're going to look at a couple of verses there. We're not going to look at all of it, uh, but a couple of verses in James chapter 3, and then we will uh, keep going and look at some other passages as well. When you get to James chapter 3... In my Bible, it's on page 782, if that helps. Page 782. When you get to James chapter 3, drop down, and I want you to notice with me verse number 6. In verse number 6, James, writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, and the tongue, notice what he says, it's a fire. He says it's a fire, a world of iniquity. But drop down two verses because when he gets down to verse number 8, he continues and he goes on and he points out and he reminds you and I by saying that no man can tame the tongue. Why? Because it's an unruly evil, he said. The tongue's an unruly evil. He says it's full of deadly poison. In other words, we have to be careful with what this little thing produces. Again, I defer back to the question a moment ago. How many in this room have been hurt by something someone said? I dare say all of us have been there. Look at verse 9 and 10 of, J of James chapter 3. It goes on. Scripture reveals. It gives us a danger and it also gives us a warning here. Uh, about using the same mouth. What the verse is talking about, it, it's giving us a warning about using the same mouth to bless God and the same mouth to curse men. Now here's the deal. We usually bless God for all, every spiritual blessing. In fact, we, we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings, right? Ephesians tells us that. But the reality is James is saying, you better be careful. You better be careful about blessing God with your mouth and then turning around and cursing someone who is created in the image of God with your same mouth. That's what he's saying. He's saying, be careful. You're talking about one of the, uh, one of the ones that God created in his image, right? So we have to be careful of this. Our speech is a sacred trust that we have been given by God. And folks, he wants us to manage it well. But can we get honest with one another right here this morning? Who's willing enough? Who's, who, who, who's, who's willing to say, I've blown it a time or two? Somebody say, I've blown it a time or two. Maybe some of y'all need to say, I've blown it about a hundred times. Or a thousand times. Anybody? We're all there. We blow it. Have you ever done something where it comes out and you want to reach back and you want to pull it back, pack back? I remember going to teen camp years ago. Gordon and Denise probably remember this. We went to teen camp and the illustration was given of a, of a tube of toothpaste, right? Let me, let me just tell you something. 
My wife is frugal. This woman is an accountant through and through. That toothpaste, man, I have to roll that thing up. Sometimes I'm like, can we just go buy some new toothpaste? No, we're getting everything out of it. We're going to squeeze that thing. I'm pushing up through the bottom, getting the last ounce of toothpaste out of it. But you know our words are like that too, but toothpaste, once it squeezes out, unless you're a magician here this morning, you're not getting that toothpaste back in the tube. Same thing's true with our words. Once they come out, it's hard to pull them back. Our words are a sacred trust that God has given us. And he wants us to manage well what we say. And if we're going to manage our words well, it demands attention. Watch this. On a daily basis, and I dare say it probably demands attention on a minute-by-minute basis. Not just daily. So how do we do it? Look back at verse 8. I had to ask myself, how do we do this? Because verse 8 says that I can't tame my own tongue. Notice, it says, but the tongue can no man tame. That's what the infallible, inerrant word of God says. That you and I don't have the ability to tame our tongue. And so the short version is that the only one who can tame our tongue is God. Only God tames the tongue and he does so through his word and through his spirit and he uses others to encourage us and to exhort us and admonish us. But he's the only one that does that in our lives. But I dare say, James does not definitively say that you and I are without responsibility. Yes, no man can tame the tongue. But if you flip back one page, flip back one page in your Bible you'll see that I believe James gives us a principle or some principles here that we can find on how to deal with our tongue. Look at verse number 26. In verse number 26, James, again, he says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Now let me just point out, this word religious or the word religion, they're kind of connected. Uh, the idea of the word religious is speaking of a person's worship or service for God. And so James is saying, hey, if any of you, let's read it again with that in mind. Notice he's saying here, if any of you, man or woman, among you seem to be religious, if you are serving or worshiping God, as a man or a woman, if that's, you're worshiping God, you're serving God. And then he says, but you don't bridle your tongue. You are deceiving yourself. That's what James is saying. He says, hey, listen, if you, if you tell me that you're worshiping God and that you're serving God, but you can't control your tongue, you're deceiving yourself. And then he goes on and he says, you not only deceive yourself, but your worship and your service of God is vain. In other words, he says, it is useless. Similar to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can read that in verses 1, 2, and 3 when he talks about if we have not love. If we speak with the tongues of men and angels and we have not love, if we have not charity, it profits nothing. And so this word religious means this. Listen, the stewardship of our speech is incredibly important. Just thinking about this. Although you, you may be someone who has a lot of love and zeal for the Lord, and I say praise the Lord. You may have a lot of love and zeal for the Lord. You may be the most loving, the most kind, 
person to other people. Like you're like, hey, Pastor Greg, I get it, man. Love God, love his word, and love people. I'm loving people the best I can. And you may be doing a great job. You may have a zeal for the Lord. You may be loving one another. You may be gifted to eloquently pray. God may have given you that ability. You may be willing to uh, deny yourself. You know, Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and pick up his cross daily and follow me. Listen, you may be able to do all of those things. You may be deeply convicted. You say, man, pastor, I'm even convicted of my own sin. And I think all of those things are important. But James is saying here that if, we, if you and I cannot exercise some control over what comes out of our mouth, he says that our worship and our service for God is counted for nothing. I dare say our speech is something that we ought to be resolved to manage well. Notice again, in verse number eight, James says, we cannot tame the tongue or our speech. God must do this. And in James 1.26, he says, we have the responsibility to bridle our tongue. That word bridle is a compound of two Greek words and literally means, you ready for it? Here's our responsibility. He says, you have the responsibility to curb or to lead your mouth. Some of you still not picking it up. It's a reference to the idea that we must exercise control over our mouth. Notice, flip back. We're going to go back and forth here for a second. Look at chapter 3 again, verse 2. James says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. Now, he's not saying he's perfect. He's saying he's complete, spiritually mature. He's come to this, this, this process, this through this process. And if you get into James, we're studying it on Wednesday nights, this process of trials and testings, and that we've come to this idea of being a complete person, morally and mentally. And then he says, uh, he said he's the same, is a perfect man, and able, watch what he says, to bridle, to curb, or to lead the whole body. And so in other words, if we, if we get to the point where we're able to bridle our speech, we're able going to also to be able to lead the whole body. And so the speech, what he's saying is it impacts everything else in our lives. And look at verse number three. He says, behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. How many, how many horse people do we have in this room this morning? I know Bonnie's back there. Somebody else, horses, I see, I see you, buddy. Congratulations, young man, way back there in the back. He's a horse man. I can tell you, I'm not, uh, I'm not a professional horseman. I've always wanted to be, right? In fact, Bonnie says, come on over. I'll let you clean the stalls tomorrow. <laughs> it all begins in the stalls, doesn't it? It's like, I want to ride the horse. No, you, you must first clean the stall. <laughs> The Oxford English Dictionary, watch this. The Oxford English Dictionary puts it this way. It says, a bridle is a piece of equipment. This is going to be good, so watch this one. A bridle is a piece of equipment that includes both the headstall that holds the bit that goes into the horse's mouth and the reins that are attached to the bit. When attached in a correct manner, Watch that phrase. When attached in a correct manner, the bridle provides control and communication through rain pressure. 
sometimes I think maybe I, I read that the first time and I was like, light bulb went on. Sometimes maybe what we need is a little more rain pressure. You ever seen that thing where the horses, they, I, I don't even know what this is called, right? I'm not a horseman. But like they take off, the horses, and then they pull back on the reins and they see how, how hard they can skid the horses. I don't even know what that's all about. Like, but it's like, seems pretty fun to me. It's like the horse is going 50 miles an hour and then they pull back on those reins and that horse hits, hits the sawdust and whatnot and stops immediately. You know, I think we ought to be the same way sometimes. Sometimes we just take off with our mouth and we let our mouth overload our britches, as my granddaddy used to say. You know, when I was a little kid, my granddaddy used to say, uh, they, I don't even get it, but a lot of people called me Big John. My name is not John, it's Greg. But they called me Big John when I was a little kid. And they would say, Big John, don't let your mouth overload your britches. Sometimes I think we let our mouth overload our britches when it comes to godly things. Sometimes I think we need a little more rain pressure. Because with the appropriate amount of rain pressure and the bridle that is correctly fit through the bit and through the reins that, that lead the horse, we can communicate and we can, we can tell ourselves, hey, just zip it. Again, God takes care of the taming, but you and I are to bridle the tongue. But I want you, I don't want you to be, please don't be discouraged. Please don't walk out of here today and say, man, I have a, I have a problem with my tongue and, and I'm discouraged because that's not the goal. Don't be discouraged when it comes to this because it doesn't matter whether we're a horse aficionado or not. The reality is it takes, it takes even horse trainers Sometimes it takes, them to, it takes them longer to train some horses than others, right? There are some horses that it just takes a longer time to tame. You get what I'm throwing down? Sometimes it may take us a little bit of time to learn how to bridle our speech. But I believe that God will give us the ability through his word and through his spirit and through wisdom that he gives us as we pray and ask and seek his face. I believe he'll give us the victory in this regard. So don't be discouraged. Listen, listen, just start applying a little more rain pressure and I believe God is going to bring you through. Every day is another opportunity for growth. If you blow it today when you're watching the Super Bowl... Some of y'all are going to blow it. And I dare say half of you don't even, you're not Kansas City fan or a 49er fan other than Jeff Hart, who's a 49er fan. Listen, Jeff, listen, you're going to have to apply some rain pressure if the Kansas City Chiefs lose, if the Kansas City Chiefs win. I know, I know, I, listen, don't even look at Facebook if the Chiefs win. Don't look at Jeff's thread because, listen, I'm, I'm going to encourage you, use some rain pressure, Right? Like Kim, my team is sitting on the sideline dreaming about a Super Bowl. And yet I dare say some of us are going to lose our testimony over this stupid game today. Can I say this? You say, I'm doing pretty good, Pastor. Have you ever heard me curse in public? No. No. Have you ever heard me say something bad about 
this one, that one, or the other in public? No. But time out. God watches us all the time. He watches you when you're at home, sir. When you're in the office, ma'am. And he watches you when you're all alone. If you're thinking something, can I just say this? If you're thinking about anybody, something negative, and you say it in public or private, it makes no difference. If you say it in private amongst yourself, you, sir, you, ma'am, young person, me, all of us, we need some rain pressure. We need to remember, we need to bridle our tongue. I'm just going to let you know. I have a hard time when it comes to some leadership in our country right now. But you know what? I pray for our leaders. I caught myself the other day, right? Don't get me started. It's crazy. What's going on? And I caught myself the other day saying, what is going on? And then I was like, oh. Rain pressure. See, this message is for all of us. There wasn't anybody around, but I still uttered it. I still thought it and still uttered it. And so how do we, how do we, how do we, how can we be resolved? How can we be resolved to bridle or control our speech? I actually believe James also gives us the answer. Look with me at verse number 19 of chapter 1. Now, contextually, we need to understand right away that James is telling us here, uh, he, he's speaking about when we're dealing with trials and temptations and testings in our life. He's speaking contextually about that. But I believe uh, the principles that we find in James 1.19 can be applied in this regard to learning to be a better steward of our speech and to, to understand what it takes whether you're a horse aficionado or not, or whether you want to use James's illustration of turning the helm of a big ship from chapter 3, if you want to use that illustration, it works as well too. But the, the reality is, what can we do? Look at verse uh, James 1.19. Flip back. He says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man or person be swift, that means to be ready to hear, slow to speak, in other words, to utter any words. And then he says, slow to wrath. So let every man or person be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. So in other words, he's saying, listen, you need to be ready to hear what God is telling you when you go through seasons of trial and testing. See, a lot of times when we're sick, a lot of times when we're going through the dark times of our life, we want to tell God how to do his business. And God says, no, what you need to do is you need to learn to slow it down and, and dial it back, so to speak. That's a young person's vernacular. You need to dial back your tongue and you need to start listening to what God has to say rather than telling God what you think he needs to know. And so, I started thinking about this. I think about it even in my own marriage and in my own life and in my military career. Listen, it wasn't always easy, and I didn't always have the best bosses in the military. I didn't. But you know what? I had a desire to be disciplined. That was one thing, I'll tell you, whether you love it or hate it, that's one thing the Marine Corps gave me was discipline. D-I-S-C-I-P-L-I-N-E, sir. 
Learn a little bit of discipline. You know, discipline goes a long way when it comes to bridling our tongue. Learn some discipline. And so in our lives, if we're going to do this, we have, to, we have to dial it back sometimes. Have you ever had a conversation? Here's an interesting thing. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and you had a disagreement with someone and then all of a sudden uh, it, it starts ramping up? It starts ramping up, it starts ramping up, and then the next thing you know, you're angry with the person. Anybody ever had that happen? Just me. Just Charlie, Yvonne, and me. He says, look at it. Can you put verse 19 back up here for him? It says, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift, be ready to hear. Slow to speak and slow to wrath. See, the louder we talk, the more angry we get. You want to know something? The reason we struggle with anger is because we struggle with talking. We have an anger problem many times in our life because we have a talking problem in our life. We want to tell people what, they th what we think they need to hear. Sometimes, you know what people need to know? Is that we love them and that we care about them and just let God do the rest. Right? But we get carried away with anger and stuff because we want to talk so much. But James tells us that one of the keys, one of the keys to broadening our tongue and slowing our anger is to slow our speech. He says, you want to slow your anger, slow your speech up. And so if we're going to bridle our speech and cultivate a mindset that causes us uh, to, to glorify God in a way, here are a few things and then we're going to get out of here. How can we be resolved to bridle our speech? Number one, you need to punch the proverbial pause button every once in a while. You need to just hit the pause button. Not every time that something happens do we need to speak. There are many times in my illustrious marriage that I have had to hit the pause button. And there are a whole lot of times that my wife has had to hit the pause button. She just goes. <laughs> and walk away. I'm like, what does this mean? Is that Pac-Man? That's Pac-Man language for shut your mouth. I'm like, listen, woman, you need to... No. Yeah, go home and try that, sir. See how that works out for you. You don't know my marriage, I run this. Okay, Travis, you run this. Okay. <laughs> Travis always tells us in the office that he runs this. It's okay, we all know that Jeremiah and Megan runs this. You know, Proverbs 18, 21 again, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Sometimes we just need to hit the pause button. Because see, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if it says death and life are in the power of the tongue, then I just believe it. That's what God's word says. And I think the reason we need to hit the pause button is so we don't do more damage. Like, the dam if the damage is done, sir, please just hit the pause button so you don't do more damage. Ma'am, hit the pause button. By the way, ladies, this is not just a message for men. This is a message for all of us. Proverbs 21, 23, Whoso keepeth or guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Proverbs 10, 19, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. In other words, in the multitude of words, sin actually abounds is what the uh, Proverbs is saying. But he that refrains his lips is wise. Many times, I don't know, 
do you ever just love to hear yourself speak? I think some, some of us just like to hear ourselves talk. I do my best talking when I'm in the shower alone. You'd be surprised at the conversations I have with myself. We, we love to talk to ourselves and we love to hear ourselves speak. But I guarantee you one thing, if you keep running your mouth, eventually you're going to say something wrong, you're going to say something inappropriate, and most likely you're going to say something sinful. Proverbs says, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. In other words, it bounds. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28, familiar verses. He that hath knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent or calm spirit. Here's verse 28. Even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise, and he that shuts his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. You know what? A lot of people may think you're foolish, but don't prove them right. You don't have to prove them right. If we're struggling to manage our speech well, the best of course, the best course of action, I think, is sometimes that we apply a little more rain pressure. And if applying a little more rain pressure doesn't work, then just get a piece of duct tape or something <laughs> and put a piece of duct tape. I, I mean, seriously. I hear so many times when people like come and tell me stories. I'm like, you all, y'all were arguing about what? You, 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 you what? I mean, it blows my circuit breaker sometimes. Some of the things that we go through. Proverbs 18, 13. He that answers a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and a shame to him. Listen, one of the things my wife and I do is many times by the time I get home and, and I sit down to eat, we'll, we'll uh, have old family feud there on the screen. And you know, the guy, he asks the question, and most of the time people are hitting that buzzer before he even gets the question out. He's like, a uh, hundred people said this, what? He didn't even ask the question yet. He that answers a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. A lot of times the impatient person doesn't want to listen, but James says, be slow. He says, be ready to hear, be swift to hear, be ready to hear. But sometimes the impatient person doesn't want to hear. The impatient person just wants to share their thoughts and to share what they think. When it comes to the stewardship of our speech, someone has suggested this. Maybe you'll write it down and remember this for later use, that we use this acronym W period, A period, I period, T period. Wait. And then turn around and ask yourself, why am I talking? Sometimes we just need to hit the proverbial pause button. James says, be slow to speak. Secondly, uh, not only do we need to hit the pause button possibly, but we may need to uh, think about every once in a while putting on our thinking caps. See, because a lot of times what we do is we speak before we think. Anybody ever done that? You know what? Not only do we many times speak before we, before we talk or, or think, uh, speak before we think, what we do is we start speaking and then we start thinking while we're speaking and we realize we've messed up. We're like, we're like, oh, 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 no, 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 let me, let me, let me change that. And then some of us, we wait to think about it after we speak. We're like, what did I just say? I just, I just answered a matter, but what did I say? And then there's a group of people who just don't think at all. 
But God's word is clear. Watch this. God's word is clear. And I'm going to give it to you rapid fire because I want to wrap this up. God's word is clear to us that on the role, I should say, that our hearts play when it comes to thinking, right? God's role, his word says that our hearts play a vital role when it comes to thinking about what we're going to say. In fact, Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. After giving birth to Jesus and receiving the shepherds there at the manger scene, Luke chapter 2 and verse number 19, the Bible says, But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them. She thought about them in her heart. After a few days, remember, they take Jesus up to the temple. And Simeon, he's, he's, he's been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah. And so you get to Luke chapter 2 and verse number 35. Simeon declares, he says, A sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The heart and thinking are connected all through Scripture. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus' disciples, their reasoning, you remember, they're they all trying to figure out who's going to be the greatest. Like, I'm going to be in charge. Jesus is, you know, once he's off the scene, I'm going to run the show around here. Well, I got news for you. Jesus runs the show here. Right? And here's what he says to his disciples. In verse 47, Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, he takes a child and he set him by him. He said, you want to be great? You're going to have to be servant. You're going to have to bring yourself down a little bit. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 4, the Bible says, Jesus knowing their thoughts. He's speaking of the scribes who, by the way, are watching the four friends. You remember the four friends who bring their man who's sick with the palsy? They bring him to Jesus. They're carrying him on a stretcher and they let him down. The Bible, one of the Gospels tells us they let him down. Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 2, they let him down through the roof. Jesus, here in Matthew's Gospel, he knows their thoughts. And so he says, wherefore think you evil in your hearts? There's a connection between what's going in our hearts and thinking. Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 19, Jesus said, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12, even thinking about the word of God, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible says, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and, is, and the joints and marrow. And then it goes on and says, and is a discerner of the what? Thoughts and intents of the heart. In other words, God is going to be like that mirror that James says, when you get into God's word, it is going to be a discerner of your thoughts and of your heart. And then Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, very much like he said in Luke 6 and also in Matthew 15, 18, Jesus, he's talking to the Pharisees and he tells them a truth. In verse 34, at the end of verse 34, he says, for out of the abundance of the heart, watch, the fountain flows. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Oh, sometimes we got to hit the pause button. If we hope to bridle, if we hope to curb or lead our speech or control our speech in a way that brings God honor and glory. Heard it put this way. We need to let our converted heart, right? Any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Sometimes we need to let our converted heart tell our renewing mind that's being renewed day by day what to say. If your mind's not being renewed day by day, there's a problem. That's why we got we, we to get into God's word. And then finally, 
I just say this way, hit the pause button and, and put our thinking caps on. But to be honest, we need to pray. You want to learn to bridle your tongue? Man, get alone with God. Get alone with God. The Bible talks about asking God, seeking God, knocking, trying to get answers from God. James says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. We, we have, we have a, uh, an ability to go to the throne of God's grace and, and, and mercy. And the Bible says that we can come boldly before his throne and ask him whatsoever we will. And he hears us. Oh, listen, enter into the closet. You know what Matthew chapter 6 talks about? Entering into, do you have a prayer closet? Do you have, and, and I'm not saying, uh, do you have a, a, a room that, you've, that, that you have put on the door, this is my prayer closet, but do you have a place where you can go and get away from the hustle and the bustle? Listen, I know some of you have young kids and you're like, I can never get away. You don't know what it's like. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But do you have a time? Watch this. And you may have to get creative. But I encourage you to set aside a time to get alone with God. Say, God, I need you today. I need you to speak through me, in and through me. I need to take what you're doing in, in my life. I need to take your word and apply it to my life. And God, I know that I can't tame my tongue, but I know that you can do it. Oh, listen, hit the pause button. Put the thinking cap on and spend some time in prayer. One other passage. I want you to turn with me, and then we got to close. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. And I'm going to wrap up. And, and this, I want us to see something from a different perspective in a very familiar passage of Scripture. We'll, we'll not go into all the details. But in Isaiah chapter 6, when you get there, say amen. The Bible says, beginning in verse number 1, look with me. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. By the way, it's, it's plural there, so that means there's more than one. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried to another, again more than one, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Notice it says the whole earth is full of God's glory. And then in verse 4 it says, And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And so here's the deal. You see, we, Isaiah goes to worship God. And when he does so, he's given a vision of God, and he's high and lifted up. And as he sees God high and lifted up, he sees the seraphims, more than one, plural. And they're worshiping God, and they're singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. And, and the earth is full of his glory. In other words, they're singing so strongly they're singing so loudly they're singing so passionately that the post look at verse 4 it says here in verse number 4 that the post of the door moved at him that cried listen the, the, the foundation of which the posts of the gates to heaven are shaking as they're singing this they're singing holy 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 and then look it says also the house is filled with smoke and yes we know that smoke is a sign of God's presence but I dare say that based on verses 9, 10, 11 and 12 that this is also a sign of God's anger 
and they're singing, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up, and the smoke is there. But here's what I want you to see. Look at verse number 5, because when we get to verse number 5, the very first thing that Isaiah is convicted about, notice he says, woe is me, for I am undone. Why is Isaiah undone? He says, I see God. I see him high and lifted up. I see the angels. I feel the run, the thunder of the, the, the post shaking. I see smoke and I see him high and lifted up. And the very first thing that he's convicted about is be careful, little tongue, what you say. He says in verse number five, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Listen, if you and I hope to be resolved to control or to bridle our tongue in such a way that's gonna bring God honor and glory, then you and I are going to have to begin each and every day just as we see Isaiah going into the temple to worship God and we're going to have to see we're going to have to be reminded that God is high and lifted up and that even as we're praying even as we're worshiping right now the angels are still singing because Revelation tells us it tells us this and I'll give you the reference in Revelation 4 8 it tells us that they have rest not day nor night they're singing right now holy 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 is the Lord God of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory and so as a follower of Christ what we say matters we got to be careful because our neighbors are watching our family members are watching I dare say there's people in this room and people watching who have lost family members that don't know Jesus and then when we tell them about Jesus they don't see us worshiping with the open hands we were talking about that video the other day but they see us worshiping him with closed fists because we want to take what we want when we want and we want to operate how we want when we want Just like, just like Isaiah did when we have the right estimation of who our Lord is. It ought to, I dare say, it ought to do something inside of us. And Isaiah said, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. If you read on, look there at verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand which he had taken of the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. This coal is a picture of what Jesus has done for each and every believer, and he takes away the, 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 the sin, what sin demands. Jesus took it away when he died on the cross, and he said it is finished. He has done what is necessary. Listen, we don't have a religion of do. We have a religion of done. Jesus has done it all. And guess what? We ought to act accordingly. And look at verse number eight. Isaiah said, here am I. He said, here am I. Send me. You see, I'm just, I'm just I, I just believe what God's word says. See, I believe that if we'll get alone with God each and every day, and we'll see him, we'll be reminded of who he is and that the earth is full of his glory. And we beseech him in prayer. And throughout the day, when we need to, hit the pause button. 
keep our thinking caps on, right? Think before we speak, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So if we'll put our thinking cap on and let our thinking happen before our mouth gets into action, I believe that God will give us the victory. And I believe it'll also be a part of the process. The Bible says no man tames the tongue. In other words, God tames the tongue. We're not without responsibility, and so I pray, I pray that you'll understand that without Christ, we can do nothing. Listen, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then I got news for you. It's going to be real hard to set a bridle on your lips. It's just going to be real hard. You might try and do it in your own strength, but sooner or later, you'll fall. You got to have Jesus. Jesus is the, the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, without him, we're not going to be able to bridle the tongue. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. The only way that we're going to use our mouth in a way that ministers grace to, other, to one another and to others is by staying in the word of God, walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, I want you to know that he loves you. He gave himself for you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He has done everything necessary. He is the very son of God. He laid down his life. The Bible says that God commended his love to us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, same mouth, who shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, I encourage you. I encourage you out of your heart and with a mouth of confession that you would call upon the name of the Lord today and trust him and the finished work that he has completed on the cross for you and for many. For all who shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, the Bible says. If you're here and you're a believer and you struggle with this thing right here, can I encourage you to do something today? By the way, we were watching that podcast you know the altar is where abraham set up to worship god i we have altar calls here it's not a show it's a place where we come with open hands to worship god that's exactly what abraham was doing with isaac he went up on mount moriah set up the altar right he was worshiping in obedience yes we know that but he sets up the altar this altar is open for us to come in worship to God. It's also set up for us to come and to lift up our praises and petitions. Not because I need to see you. I don't need to see you do that. But God does. God wants us to talk with him. He wants us to do that. So listen, don't everybody flood the altar if you're not being led. But what I'm just saying is the reason we have altar calls is because it's a part of our worship. It's a part of our worship to come boldly. To come boldly before his throne and to make our requests and our petitions known to him with thanksgiving. And so I encourage you, if you're a believer and you say, man, I really need to, I really need to bridle it. I need to put some rain pressure on my tongue. This is a great time to recommit yourself to doing just that. Father, we love you. We thank you for your message. God, I pray that your word is fallen upon good soil as Travis many times says, and that we'll adjust our lives according to what you say and not vice versa. Lord, I love you. I thank you for the time that we've had. I pray now that you'll be with us during this time of invitation. 
If there are those who need to trust Christ, I pray that they'll be bold enough to come and to speak with someone who will be down front that can show them from your word how they can know that they can be forgiven and how they can know that they have eternal life. If somebody's looking for a good church home, I pray that they'll come and that we'll be able to talk with them about church membership. If somebody is wanting to make a profession of faith or they need to be baptized, I pray they'll come and make that known as well. Whatever the need is, whatever the desires, Lord, I pray that as we enter in this time of invitation that you will have your will in your way and we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it. And we pray this in your son's name and for his sake. Amen.